This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. We're back at it. Got you one one episode in September. <laughs> one. I did my damnedest. I was all over the state chasing elk with varying levels of success. But I'm back here now, and it has been overwhelming. Incredibly overwhelming. Uh, after taking that much time to myself, I will say that uh, my mental health... You know what? I can't even... It's probably a, probably a wash. My mental, I can't say my mental health is better. Not having waded into this darkness, I think I just focus my neuroticism elsewhere. But it's been, yeah, it's been a lot to get back into. There's a lot of decisions to be made about what to do, where to go, how to do this thing. What are we going to talk about? What are we, we going to get into? I wanted, I really wanted to break into some of the stuff that I feel like I missed that I really wanted to cover. Uh, and then we'll kind of get back up to date on what's going on with infrastructure package, which honestly, the infrastructure situation with cinema and mansion is just... It's kind of a shit show and no everyone the people that I respect the most are like, I don't fucking know what's gonna happen. I have no idea. I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I'm not a fucking fortune teller. Like it's weird, man. It's crazy. And there's so many numbers being thrown around. It, it, we I had this conversation with some random person on on Instagram before it went down. Um it's just like like, well, it's gonna not, not gonna take any new spending, but I thought it was gonna be like 1.5 trillion new spending. So much of it is weird. Then again, you know, this whole situation with raising the debt ceiling, like, yeah, that happened like three or four times under Trump and it was bipartisan with bipartisan support. So like this, this is just the partisanship, the partisanship has made this such a deep, dark cesspool that it's just out of control. It is out of control. And then you have Kirsten Cinema, who honestly, let's just be real here. Is it, is a complete, cunt like that's who that's what she is and, and i don't say that because of her politics that's not what i'm talking about it is so abundantly clear it is so abundantly clear in the way that she's behaving uh what our campaign finances look like that she is just jockeying for a position in the private sector after her term is over like it's 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 one of the most overt slap in the face um, situations I've ever seen where it's just like, Hey, here's a few hundred thousand dollars from big pharma for you to make sure that med- that, that Medicare can't negotiate lower drug prices. Right? So fuck everyone who would benefit from lower drug prices, which is like the working class, right? And elderly people mostly, um, no fuck them because you want a job on, you want to be on the sit on the board of one of these companies who fucking knows. I mean, it's the same shit. It's the same shit. And she doesn't have any demands, right? Like Joe Manchin at least has some demands on what he wants uh, and what he thinks is appropriate, which is kind of principled. I mean, he's a corrupt scumbag too, but who isn't? Who isn't? It's just a weird deal. So I just I, I just have this certain disdain for her that is really hard to overcome. And the way that they play up her like being bisexual and a triathlete and all this other bullshit that you'll see around is like holding her up. She's kind of this like um, neoliberal neoconservative hero now because she's thrown a wrench in the gears of the, of the Biden administration's kind of agenda here, which the regardless of whether or not you agree with the agenda, her behavior in, in addressing it has been childish and abhorrent. And it's, it's sad to see. 
It is sad to see. It's just frustrating that we don't have, like we've just put ourselves in the, this is the way that politics are functioning right now. I feel like are probably the most American they've ever been in the way that we handle ourselves. It's just, it's just everywhere you look, narcissism, entitlement, short-sightedness, corruption, everywhere. Hypocrisy, just, just oozing out of this. And I was listening to Tim Dillon, which I do often, because now I actually upped my uh, subscription to him. Now I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Rothschild tier member of the Tim Dillon Patreon for like one every extra episode every two months, but they're fucking gold. And he was talking about this. We're just... As a culture, as a society, fat and empty. We're just fat addicts. That's what we are as a culture. And we're just driving around, just looking for something to fill us up. And somehow that's turned into politics. But that also goes with fast food, shitty movies, social justice warrior behavior. Like, whatever it is, whatever this, this facade is, this, this, this milkshake that's going to that's gonna satiate us temporarily. And come at a cost later. It's fucking absurd. And then we have Fauci's dumbass <laughs> talking about how we may not be able to gather for Christmas. <laughs> like, what? like it's too soon to tell. Like it's just getting out of hand. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> like it's just so fucking crazy. And then Instagram goes down, which is annoying. And I've also opened it up on my phone like three dozen times today, even though I know it's down. Um, just weird. And then I go over to Twitter because I'm like, well, I need to get, scratch my itch, right? I need to fill my empty ass with something. So I go over to Twitter, and I don't, under, I don't understand how anybody could spend any kind of time on Twitter and maintain their mental health. I just cruise through there, and it's just hatred and vitriol. And then I start chiming in. I start chiming in, and I become more of an asshole than usual. And I'm already kind of an asshole, so like it was, I was, it's a dark place. It's just madness, pure madness. Strange times. Strange times. Matt Taibbi has a great piece out. I recommend if you do not subscribe to Matt Taibbi's Substack, do it. He talks about, he actually put the audio version out as well, uh, about how we have essentially sacrificed religion, right? We just transitioned from a religious dogma to a political dogma. That is, uh, the correlations there and the way that we behave, the, the human behavior correlations, which really always fascinate me, right? Like, what are some some through lines when it comes to human behavior science overlaid on politics. That's what kind of why I do what I do. I really, I just am fascinated with that. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it from the, through the religious lens and Matt does a great job. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to that. Go check that article out. I will post that in the Patreon as well. If you want to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Politically Homeless, you can hit the link in the show notes of this show. Head on over there. It's a great way to support this independent content that I'm delivering to you today and doing my damn just to make it good. Excited to get some more videos out there. It's just been, it's, it's weird to just like go radio silent for a while and go do my own thing. But I won't do it again. And the reason I took September because I really like to hunt. I got more hunting season stuff coming up, but it, none of them will be as long as this, this archery season was. Um, is because I want to go through and we usually take the break through December. I thought it would actually be better. I'd be better off just like going through December and only taking like Christmas week off into New Year's. So I thought they would go, yeah, we'll do that. This is going to be my break. So as, as we're moving this thing forward, September will kind of be my month to check out and go do my own thing. And then the rest of the year I am, I am a slave to you. 
I am subservient to your will, to your needs, to your wants. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But definitely check out the Patreon, guys. Great way to support what I'm doing over here. The more subscribers in the Patreon, the more I can offer in the Patreon, which makes it all so much better. It makes everything better. But be sure to check that out. Also, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave it a five-star review and some kind words. I'd really, really, really appreciate that. So today, coming up on the show, we've got Fat Kids, Hunter Biden, CIA, some really weird punishment of the of the working class. Some nurses are getting fired, and uh, some NBA 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 vaccine shit. And then we're gonna talk about caring and something to think about. Oh, exciting times! Exciting times. What else before we get into the show? Anything else I want to ramble about? Oh, I almost fucking died. <laughs> I almost fucking died, y'all. Um. Yeah, so that last that last little hunting trip I went on, I was just I kind of set set a goal to just see as much country as I can, and I went did this pretty gnarly hike. It was long and, and a lot of elevation gain, um, and I got cute coming down, thinking I would just bush mat, bushwhack my way out, which I've done before. Which means when I say bushwhack, just means like going off trail and kind of making your own way out. Um, you know, it's like a four miles, about twenty five hundred feet of elevation uh, down um, over that time. And got in a situation where I was like, oh, shit, I'm fucked. Like, this is really bad. Like, never really have considered using my SOS button. I have a little uh, emergency um, device out there just in case something were to happen. I was like, yeah, I need to keep that thing in reach. It's called, actually called the Garmin inReach. And, and I kept it in reach. I realized why it was called that on this experience. So coming down this thing, super steep, super nasty, um, ended up, uh, and I have this, you know, 60 pounds pack on my back. Um Ended up having to kind of crawl over this big-ass boulder um, to get down because there was so much deadfall on both sides. But I was kind of trapped in this little spot here and slipped off, landed on my back. I just happened to land in a bush, which was the best possible scenario because the other options were fallen logs and rocks. Um, ended up being okay, but it was just fucking terrifying. Ended up, I was like, so after that, I was like so freaked out. I started like dry heaving. It was bad. It was not a good time. That was about four or five days before the elk season ended, and I was just like, essentially just emotionally smoked after that. It was like a six hour uh, adventure getting down the mountain. Super weird. And I say I almost died. That's a little bit dramatic. I, I was pretty certain I was going to be able to get out. Okay. But getting back to the car, I was just like, it was super emotional and super weird. Just like being in that, in that intensive a situation. Don't recommend it. Don't recommend it on the map. It did not look bad. Uh, it was very deceiving. And yeah, I mean, mistakes be made, but I'm lucky to be out of there. Um, that's the kind of thing that happened. I mean, that's the kind of thing that people do thinking that it'll be all right and, uh, not making it out. So I was really, really grateful to get out of there and then, uh, get some sleep because I was pretty smoked, but a lot of mornings waking up at two o'clock, four o'clock, some pretty good encounters and, um, ready for next year. Excited for next year. It's a lot. It's, it's so fucking nice to have something to care about outside of this. Honestly, because I care about this a lot, and I care about what I'm doing here a lot. And I feel like we're we're on a we're on, we're moving in the right direction, but goddamn, that scared the shit out of me. It really did. It really did, and I wanted to share that with you guys because I finally, I think, the last couple of days, I've gotten kind of my my head back on straight and been able to like get into this. But I mean, in that month that I was out, you know, I'd come back from being kind of out of service for a handful of days and just check back in with what was going on in like the news world, and it just seemed like shit was just getting 
crazy. It's like the we can't go through a winter time without it just being a complete dumpster fire. And we're heading there again, you know. We've got we got nurses getting fired. We've got I mean, it's just like there's got we we were flirting with a tipping point. We have to be flirting with some kind of tipping point, right? Like does it just keep going like this? Does it is this is this what we're going to do? Am I not going to be able to fly now? You know, without a vaccine? Like is that where we're going to be? And people are just really touchy right now too. That's something I've been noticing a lot is that people are very touchy. Like I was having a conversation with a friend and it was like a wasn't a I mean it was political, but it wasn't like aggressive. Um and it just went from zero to a hundred real quick. Like real quick. And I was like, whoa, 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 dude. Like, you know, I'm I'm in this weird it's frustrating to be in this camp that I'm in, right? Because I'm the kind of person who said, Hey, if you want to get the vaccine, then I think you should get paid medical leave to do that. And if you have adverse reactions, like maybe get three or four days paid off. And that's whether the government takes care of that or your business or a combination of both. I don't really fucking care. But to me, I'm like, hey, that's if you if that's what you want to do, then I think you should have the freedom to do that. That's a to me feels like a principled stance. Some people disagree with that, and I understand that as well. Um, also choose not to get the vaccine for myself. If you want to do that, if you feel like it's the right move for you, do it. I encourage I mean, I, I was I didn't encourage my mom to do it, but most of my family, my mom, my granddad, my stepdad, like they're all vaccinated. And I'm like, yeah, probably a good mood for you. She works in healthcare. Like it was going to happen anyways. Um, she got it early. Good deal. Like do what you want to do. And it's just, that, that's the strange thing is like we have this, like <laughs> the further this goes, the less it all makes sense. And it's kind of breaking people's brains. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely fractured mine in a few places. Because it's just, it's hard to even have a grasp on what is real. And that's dangerous. As a society, as a culture, I mean, as a family, as an individual, as, as a community, it doesn't matter. At every level, when you begin to question what is real, that is the symptom of a toxic relationship. You know, and I've been in relationships like that with, with a boss, with a girlfriend, things like that, where, where you're getting gaslit and there's like high levels of manipulation and narcissism. And so I do have a, a keen reaction to those kind of things. And this idea where you get gaslit until you you have a complete misunderstanding. Like in that conversation I was talking about earlier, the thing that was said that really like threw me off, it's like, hey, she said, well, aren't you being controlled more if you don't get the vaccine? And this is somebody who lives in New York. So I'm imagining they're just like inundated with like pro-vax propaganda. And I'm like, well, no, that's not it. That's not at all how that works. That's not at all how that's not. No, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That's like backwards logic. And it was one of those things where I, I, I had to look it up. Somebody I really do care about a lot and be like, what, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I didn't say that, but I was like, that's, that's inverse logic. Like being coerced into conditional freedom is not the lack of control. But then again, like who the fuck has time to think about these things? Like you got a family, you got to pay the bills. You got to do what you got to do. You got to go to work. You got, you got responsibilities to take care of. I'm, I get to sit here and think about this shit all day. That's cool. It's stressful, but so is life in general. And it's weird. So this, this idea that we can't really get a firm grasp on, on reality from any perspective, right? Any perspective that's being shared with you, whether you want to get it from MSNBC or Infowars, right? Like you're just not going to have that same shared reality with other people. 
which further silos us into these little echo chambers that perpetuate the problem. So we have our perceived solution to a problem is actually the cause of the problem. So we're on what Mark Manson would call the hamster wheel of bullshit as a society. As a country, as a, I mean, and I would say out this far exceeds the United States. I mean, at least we don't live in Canada or fucking Australia. So, oh, fuck. Little midday yawn there. But yeah, it's weird, man. God, it's fucking weird. But anyways, let's get into it. It's time to go. The state of things coming at you right now. Fat kids. Oh, fat kids. I can say that. I know maybe maybe a little little triggered right now by my aggressive use of the term fat kids, but I will say that I have a right to use that term because I was a fat kid. I was a little fatty fat kid, bordering obese, and from I don't know, like fifth grade to. Sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school, maybe. And one thing about being a fat kid we need to understand here is that once you're a fat kid, and any, any of the other fellow fatties out there, let me know what you think about this. But in my experience, my anecdotal experience, once you've been a fat kid, you're never not a fat kid. You will now be a fat kid forever, in perpetuity. Maybe not on the outside, but definitely on the inside. You will maintain those little love handles, those pudgy little cheeks, and those man titties, right? It's just part of it. You never let go of it. Right now, there's a fat kid inside of me. Deep inside. God damn it. But you, you know what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying here, right? Which is why this upsets me so much. Children's BMI doubles during the pandemic, shocking study says. Now we've got this here. In the wake of the pandemic, a generation of Americans will face will be faced with a higher risk of poor health in adulthood. Because you got to understand the correlation between childhood obesity and obesity, pretty strong. More than a year of upheaval, anxiety, and stress caused by the global coronavirus outbreak has put a pause on doctors' and patients' efforts to address another American killer, obesity. And that disregard for physical fitness had a great impact on kids and teens, evidently, as the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has revealed the rate of increase in kids' BMI, or body mass index, approximately doubled last year. Kids who started 2020 at a normal weight or overweight showed an increased rate of BMI across the board, according to the new study published Friday, while the underweight cohort saw little to no rate of change. So the fatties got fatter. And the thin stayed skinny, right? Which, is, as a kid, it's one of those funny things, right? And and again, speaking as a former fat kid, it's so frustrating when you're out with your friends, like your skinny friends, and they eat like pizza and Oreos and whatever. And I mean, yeah, you're crushing a box of Lucky Charms a day, but still, you're frustrated because they are too. And you're a fatty, 
And they're over here like with girlfriends and stuff in the fourth grade, and you can't get a girl to talk to you to save your life. And for me, I had a problem uh, stuttering and sweating a lot while trying to talk to uh, females as a young man. And having, um, you know, be it being um, borderline obese was not helpful <laughs> in that pursuit. Anyways, the surge was particularly striking among preschool and school-aged children compared to adolescents of the same body type. There's definitely more obesity in the adolescent population. Dr. David Busich, director of bi- biatric surgery at Northwell Health Huntington Hospital, told The Post, unchecked obesity in childhood guarantees a greater risk of development of comorbidities in adulthood, such as type 2 diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, obstructed sleep apnea, and heart disease, just to name a few. And this is absolutely true. Now, one thing I'm really stoked about is that I was able to kind of on accident get my life in order. And again, speaking of chasing women, that was pretty much the reason I did it. It wasn't for health reasons necessarily at the time. Looking back now, I'm really grateful I did it. But at the end of the day, I just wanted to fucking get laid like any other teenage boy. All right. So we don't discuss this. That's my problem with this, right? We don't discuss this. I was doing research papers on this kind of shit when I was in college, right? I was a health and fitness management major. That's what I did. I focused on this. I wanted to help kids that were like me so much, so much. Our nutrition system is hijacked by fucking major corporations. We are we subsidize poverty foods like corn, wheat, and soy in this country that's never addressed. The number of the number of deaths we have from COVID has to do with the fact that we are an unhealthy nation. We rank 36th in the world in healthcare as the richest nation in the country. And we, every time we talk about a public option or holding the government accountable for the corruption that they that they, they created the nutrition guidelines that's that that fueled the level of obesity we have in this country. Every time we try to address that, we get called socialists and communists and God knows what else by the people that are paid by the lackeys that count the fucking money that is made from making more fucking fat people. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. One of the reasons I can't fucking stand conservatives because they don't want to address anything. It's like, well, these 12-year-olds have a freedom to be 300 pounds. Really? Am I obstructing freedom by encouraging 12-year-olds not to be 300 fucking pounds? Is that, am I obstructing freedom in that way? No, of course not. And I would like for the government to hold the bag a little bit here because they were the ones that created the food guidelines that were funded by the sugar lobby, which consists of uh, Coca-Cola, McDonald's. Um, what's the, uh, what's the, the people that make all the cereal, whatever that is, that own all the cereal companies? We've been lied to, man. We've been lied to. And this is, again, we don't discuss this, but for many people like me, this is the reason we don't trust people like the FDA or the CDC, right? They, they can count fat people, but they can't do a goddamn thing about it. And it's the number one comorbidity aside from age when it comes to COVID, and we don't have a discussion ever. We've been doing this shit for two years now. We've been doing this shit for two fucking years, and Dr. Fauci hasn't said a goddamn thing about being healthier. The only solutions that are provided are the solutions that are provided that will help the fucking stock price of big pharma companies. That is it. That is it. Those are your solutions. Those are the options that the professionals in health want to give you. And we're expected somehow to trust the FDA. And I, as I said in the last episode, how in the fuck do you trust the FDA in a country that has a food and drug problem? An obesity and an addiction problem. 
And you want to trust the fucking FDA as if they're doing a good job? What in the actual fuck are we doing here? So it's funny, man. It's, it's funny, but it's sad. Because these kids are starting way past the fucking starting line. Way behind the starting line. And I know how hard it is. Do you know how hard it is to be a kid? A fat kid? And yeah, we maybe live in an era of body positivity. Doesn't make it easier to be a 13-year-old boy who can't see your dick when you look down. And I understand that's really hard for some people to hear, but it's a fucking reality. And you look at yourself in the mirror when you're that kid, and you're ashamed of yourself. I don't give a shit. There was nobody like in my family that made me feel bad about it. Of course, I got bullied, just like everybody else gets bullied. You can have to be bullied for braces or being fat or glasses or weird teeth or big ears, all kinds of shit. So I'm not, I'm not a charity case here, but I can tell you right now that you can sit, you can, Lizzo can go around and dance in a thong all she fucking wants. It doesn't help fat kids feel better about themselves. It really doesn't. It's hard. It's a hard thing. And this makes me really sad. Like it really upsets me because I've experienced this personally. It's fucking brutal, man. And these kids have an uphill battle. I'm one of the lucky ones. When I look at all the, you know, when I go to my hometown and people don't really leave my hometown and I look at the other kids that were the fatties, there's maybe one other one that's not anymore. Maybe one. If anything, they just got fatter. And I hate it. I don't like that my friends, you know, that I've known my whole life don't have their fucking lives together and never made the change. And it just doesn't get talked about. I mean, I think if we're going to talk about health problems in this country, can we not talk about the ones that, that are also killing hundreds of thousands of people a year? Namely, obesity and the fucking comorbidities that go along with it? Come on, now. And I think one of the things is, like, we don't share this stuff enough. It just goes unnoticed. Unless this is a part, some, a, life, a part of the life you've lived. But it doesn't. we don't ever have any cultural change around this. That's not, that's not a thing that, that happens ever. And that, to me, is one of the most disappointing aspects of, this, of our country, really. It's like we can't even have an honest discussion about health. And this was way, way before COVID. Way before COVID. And now <laughs> the, the overlords have made you believe that addressing this is fat shaming. That addressing this problem is now fat shaming. Now you are the oppressor or something. If you want to, if you want people to be healthier, if you want people to be healthier, and that's the thing, having been in that situation and struggle with that for much of my life, and still have some like body dysmorphia issues, that you know, I, I'm not, cry me a river, right? I get it. You know, I've got immaculate bone structure. I'm six foot four. I'm lucky when it comes to physical attributes. That being said, doesn't mean it doesn't still like get in my head. And to think about like how avoidable that is for so many people. But at the end of the day, what does every middle school have in the cafeteria? A Coke machine, a Coke machine or a Gatorade. You, you know, you want to be healthy, you get a Gatorade with 50 grams of sugar in it. That's better. And we live in this lie. Like there was a time, I mean, it was in fucking high school and I thought orange soda was better for you than, than Dr. Pepper. It's weird. Like the, it, it's just, how in the fuck did I not have that shit figured out at 15, 16? You know? Maybe I'm just stupid, but I don't feel like the, this, I'm a unique case here. But no, it makes me sad that we can't discuss this and that this is, this is one of those things that during this pandemic, which is hammering people that are obese, hammering people that are obese, we've now increased the number of obese people 
We have a health crisis that's so dangerous that we increase the number of people that are disproportionately affected by the virus. We have a health crisis that is so intense that we can fire hundreds of thousands of healthcare workers. What in the fuck is happening here? It just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. And I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist or a MAGA weirdo saying that. It's just let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's be honest and have an honest conversation. Let's create a healthier nation. And not through fueling big pharma any more than we already have. But with some really simple pragmatic changes in the way that we produce food. (laughs) The way that we discuss health. But, you know, maybe I'm just asking for too much. Maybe I'm just asking for too much. Because God knows it's never going to happen. Well, the Biden family has been under some scrutiny since during the 2020 election, um, which was censored. Huge story. New York Post got censored, got taken down off of Twitter, got locked out of their account. Uh, we had more and more and more Russian disinformation, Russian, Russian disinformation everywhere. That was all we heard. The Hunter Biden laptop story sounds like Russian disinformation. We'll come to find out, thanks to some great reporting by Glenn Greenwald, the proof emerges, emerges, emerges of the Biden... Family emails a definitive account of the CIA media big tech fraud. The axis of the CIA big tech and DNC allied wing of the corporate media spread an absolute lie in the weeks before the 2020 election. We now have definitive proof. A severe escalation of the war on the free internet and free discourse has taken place over the last 12 months. Numerous examples of brute and dangerous censorship have emerged. The destruction of big tech monopolies, destruction by big tech monopolies of Parler at the behest of Democratic politicians at the time it was the most downloaded app in the country. The banning of the sitting president from social media and the increasingly explicit threats from elected officials in the majority party of legal and regulatory reprisals in the event that tech platforms do not censor more in accordance with their demands. God damn, Glenn Greenwald, you fucking slay, queen. All right. But the most severe episode of all was the joint campaign in the weeks before the 2020 election by the CIA, big tech, and liberal wing of the corporate media and the Democratic Party to censor and suppress a series of major reports about then-presidential frontrunner Joe Biden. On October 14th and then October 15th, 2020, the New York Post, the nation's oldest newspaper, published two news reports on Joe Biden's activities in Ukraine and China that raised serious questions about his uh, integrity and ethics, specifically whether he and his family were trading on his name and influence to generate profit for themselves. The Post said the documents were obtained from a laptop left by Joe Biden's son, Hunter, at a repair shop. Oh, man. Well, come to find out, those emails were authentic. And that's the weird thing. We've got Hunter Biden's business partner saying that they were um, authentic emails. They've been confirmed by, you know, doing journalism. Journalism happened to find out that those emails were indeed authentic. Now, we knew that. We knew that because the Biden campaign didn't even deny that the emails were authentic. They just 
glossed over it, let the big, tor- t- big tech overlords do what they do, censor the shit, couldn't even share it via DM, locked the New York Post out of their account for two weeks until he deleted the post. All of this, all of this on some actual fucking reporting. Journalism is not only dead, it is punished in this country. It is punished. Now, Glenn Greenwald has a personal attachment to this because he left The Intercept, the outlet that he founded, to go uh, uh, to hold power to account. That was kind of the, the whole message behind The Intercept, right? Was to hold places like the New York Times to account. Now, The Intercept has been infested with former New York Times employees who are doing exactly what they do at The New York Times. So The Intercept has lost most of its journalistic integrity. You got people like Ken Clipperstein, who's doxing people online. Go check that shit out. It's just absolutely insane. And we've we've completely lost our fucking minds here, right? The fact that this isn't the, the biggest story of the month is insane to me. The corruption with the sitting president. Now, I spoke up about Trump's corruption as well. It was ample. <laughs> it, was, it was You didn't have to make shit up about Trump, right? It was just like they made up a lot of shit. The coverage for him was completely unfair. And he gave you plenty of things to criticize, but instead, it had to be fabrications like fucking Russiagate, which has crumbled into a million pieces now. It's absolutely fucking insane. It turns out that it was actually Hillary Clinton who was colluding with Russians. It's just like we live in a fucking cartoon land. Like this is like I feel like I could be sucked into a uh, into a into a, a golf hole, right? Like Michael Jordan in Space Jam, and be in Looney Tune land, and it's still have more of a semblance on reality than what we are living today. Like, this is absolutely insane. So we've got the situation here where we have the sitting president and his family members trading his influence for cash. Now it's been confirmed. And is Hunter Biden still selling paintings for half a million dollars? Like, what in the fuck is going on? Oh, but all we heard, all we heard was Russian disinformation. When you hear the phrase Russian disinformation, plug your ears, cover your eyes and get the fuck out of there. Cause you know, that's bullshit. You absolutely know that is bullshit. And we did that shit for years and it never dies. It never, I can't wait for the next thing to come out that, 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 that exposes some Democrat just so we can hear more about Russian disinformation. It's insane. It was the downfall of the young Turks who have become a character of themselves. Anna Kasparian, who used to have some respect for, is now a complete joke. All over this Russiagate thing that everybody hitched their, they fucking hitched their horse to, and it's just, damn. Hitched their cart to, I think, is the actual phrase. But anyways, interesting stuff here. And I want to just, we're not going to go super deep into this, but the, la- <laughs> the world we live in, dude, I just, I can't get over it. I can't get over it, man. And Glenn... Praise be to Glenn Greenwald. Like, really? This guy is a fucking savage. I mean, he does this amazing reporting, gets attacked on Twitter all day, clowns people on Twitter all day, and then also runs a dog rescue. Like, he checks all the boxes for an amazing human being. And I just really appreciate everything that he does. (laughs) Don't agree with everything he says, but I appreciate everything he does. And... (sighs) It, It... I don't know if it would have been different. Would it have been different if 
maybe it wasn't Rudy Giuliani, who's just a weird character in himself, um, that that exposed this. Maybe if it wasn't Trump, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it would take. What would it take? And at the end of the day, what's happening here isn't even frowned upon in Washington. I mean, Sagar, I think, said this on, on Breaking Points. He was like, there's a direct correlation between how much you're willing to sacrifice your morals in D.C. and how much money you make. Like, the lower your moral standards are in D.C., the more money you will make guaranteed. And there's no punishment. What is, where's, where's the accountability? Because I thought that the modern left, right, or just the left in general, stood for accountability for those in power. That's what I stand for, so it puts me on the left. So does that not exist anymore? Do we not have that? You know, Glenn Greenwald's on the left. Do it, so there's like 12 people now that are that are down to hold the powerful to account for their abuses. That that, that what we're doing now? Because I don't, is Rachel Maddow going to apologize for being a lying bitch? Is that going to happen? Wolf Blitzer, Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, Chris Hayes. Brian Stelter is a fucking joke. <laughs> so I don't, that guy's running his own fucking clown show over there. But I mean, who is anybody going to address the fact that they were completely full of shit and knew they were full of shit and they are parrots for the fucking CIA? Is that, that's what we're, no one has to, no one's held to account. No one's, there's no accountability. That's it. Confirmed that the Biden laptop emails we're fucking legit, and we don't. We have to be on Substack to find out. You got to listen to some meathead like me screaming to a microphone about it. There's people. I mean, I'm sure there's people right now that are listening to this show, right now that have, did not know that those emails were confirmed, and that Hunter was holding uh, 10% for the big guy, which apparently was Hunter was, was Joe Biden. <sighs> we have a fucking broken country, guys. And this isn't a this is a bipartisan thing. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, well, this is the Democrats and they're corrupt, but I'm not Candace Owens, okay? Like that's not we're not doing that. This is politics in general. And this is one of the reasons I'm glad that we're there's more and more people that are just divorcing themselves from political parties. But Check out Glenn Greenwald's Substack if you have not already. This is a great article. It's super long because Glenn gets heated. In this, and actually, I laughed out loud reading it a few times. Check it out. Long story short, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, corruption confirmed, laptop confirmed. Let's see what happens now. My money's on not a goddamn thing. Today's episode is brought to you by the best beverage enhancement that you will find on the face of this earth. Now, listen, here's the deal it's very likely. Very likely that what we will experience um, forthwith is a complete collapse of society. An absolute collapse of society. And when society collapses, there will be wars fought over water. Kamala Harris has already said it. There will be wars fought over water. Drinkable, potable water. And when that happens, you're going to want to get the most out of your H2O. You might have to filter piss and drink it again. That will not taste good, okay? Let's be real here. You may have to 
to catch rainwater in trash bags. Who knows? Okay, let's get real, real dystopian really quickly. And what you need to do to prepare yourself for that inevitable future is get yourself some element. You can go to drinkelement.com slash wonders. D-R-I-N-K dot com slash wonders with an A. The link is in the show notes. It is an electrolyte, salt, magnesium packet that you put in your water. Now, for us today in civilization, what it does is increase the hydration, replenishes crucial things in your body, okay, that water doesn't do by itself. You're also not drinking enough water, so absorption is important. We can get into that later. But for now, that's what it is. It's a great way to start the day. It's a great way to stay hydrated. It's a great thing to do for your health, okay, and vitality. But in the future, and why I think you should stockpile element is because it's delicious. And when you have to drink your own piss in the dystopian nightmare that is inevitably coming, you'll be grateful that you have a little watermelon or raspberry or lemon habanero element to mix with it so you can stay alive because you'll be fighting for your life. Now, it's unlikely you will make it to that point. But in the event that you do, you will need elements. So buy a bunch of it, buy a bunch of it, and store it somewhere safe. That's my advice to you. Now, in the meantime, if you just want to try it out first, because, you know, we probably have a few months, so you got a little time to try it out, go to drinkelement.com slash wonders, and you're going to get a... Variety pack, all you have to do is cover shipping, $5. $5, cover shipping, it'll show up at your at your door, boom, the best flavors right there for you. Try them out, see which ones you like the best, order a bunch, stockpile them somewhere, keep them safe for the dystopian future. You'll be thinking about this. If you happen to survive the nuclear fallout, you'll be thinking about this. You'll be like, God, I got that variety pack, but I should have gotten more. I should have gotten more for myself, my family, my community. You'll be thinking about that when you're drinking dirty, stinky water, trying to stay alive. You'll be like, man, I wish I had some of that element right now. It was delicious, and I felt so good when I was drinking it. It soaked into my body like a sponge and gave me the essential nutrients that I need. But no, you won't have it. If you don't pull the trigger right now, drink element, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders, W-A-N-D-E-R-S. Link in the show notes. Get the variety pack. Do it today. All right? This isn't the kind of stuff that Alex Jones is selling over at InfoWars. This is the real deal. This isn't to fund my misinformation campaign. This is for you. You're welcome Protect yourself out there. It's about to get dangerous. Drinkelement.com slash wonders. Get that variety pack. Just cover shipping $5. And now let's get back to the show. So speaking of the CIA, I um, recently finished this book. It's a long book. It was an, I listened to it on Audible. Uh, it was like 24, 26 hours, something like that. It's called The Devil's Chessboard. It's about Alan Dulles and the CIA. And they talk a lot. I mean, one, about the assassination of JFK. That was kind of the big crescendo of the book. Um, 
and the CIA's involvement in that, but also the number of political assassinations that the CIA uh, took that, that took place at their behest um, from Cuba to some other South American countries, just like how they've handled themselves. And assassinations were a go-to tool, kind of a first resort tool, actually, many times for the CIA whenever um, anybody had any socialist leanings, right? Because you couldn't have that. You had to, <laughs> if some leader of some country thought that maybe it'd be best to like nationalize their oil in, oil industry or something like that, well, then the United States would need to covertly bring some democracy to their people by assassinating their leader and replacing them with a dictator. So that's kind of like what the CIA does. It's a corrupt organization that is um, kind of a criminal organization, actually, because I would go as far as to say that. And when I saw this story, it didn't surprise me at all. Americans horrified by reports that CIA under Trump discussed assassination of Julian Assange. Now, this one would get covered in the mainstream media because they only pretend to care about journalism. They only pretend to care about freedom of speech when someone they don't like is in office. But in reality, this is what's going on. So, journalists, political analysts, and press organizations expressed shock on Sunday over a report that claimed many of former Trump, Donald, President Donald Trump's administration had plotted to assassinate WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Yahoo News interviewed more than 30 former Trump administration officials for its article revealing that the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency under Trump's then-CIA director Mike Pompeo had discussed assassinating or kidnapping Assange while he took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. The report also claimed that Trump... The Trump administration, in partnership with the UK government, was preparing to politely engage in dangerous, or excuse me, potentially engage in dangerous street conflict with any Russian operatives should they attempt to help Assange escape the country. Following the, re the release of the report, the Freedom of the Press Foundation issued a statement calling the CIA, CIA a disgrace adding the fact that it was contemplated and engaged in so many illegal activities against WikiLeaks, its associates, and, and even other award-winning journalists, is an outrage scandal that should be investigated by Congress and the Justice Department. The foundation also called on President Joe Biden and his administration to immediately drop all charges against Assange, describing the CIA's alleged plans as beyond the pale. There's a bunch of tweet, tweets there. So, uh, we've got Mike Pompeo, the Trump administration. And one of the reasons I was like kind of on board with Trump for a little while there was like he might take care of this Assange and Snowden situation, right? And when I meant take care of, I meant pardon the motherfuckers, not assassinate them. Like this just shows in 2016, Trump was, was speaking out openly in support of Assange. And then because he's not a principled actor and he's a complete coward, He's discussing assassinating the motherfucker in the streets or kidnapping him. Which the CIA has wet dreams about kidnapping Assange, right? Like that, that's, that's what the CIA exists to do. So we've got the situation here where people on the right, I would feel would be outraged about this. Now I'm having to pick this up on Yahoo News and Russia today. Where are you at? If this was Biden, in the Biden administration, it was found out they were discussing assassinating Assange. That shit would be on right-wing outlets. Attacking the press, press freedom. But you don't see that. You don't see that. And the reason you don't see it on any other mainstream outlets is because those people are mouthpieces of the CIA. <laughs> they take the CIA line every 
fucking time. There is no way to get outside of the CIA's broad net that it casts when it comes to media personalities aside from independent media. Independent media is the only place. And if you are too good at that and you expose too much bullshit, you might catch a bullet in the dome. Courtesy of the CIA. Courtesy of the American government. The land of the free and the home of the brave. I don't know many people who are more brave than Assange and Snowden for sacrificing their lives to share the truth. And due to their bravery, they now don't have freedom. And we have the audacity to call America a free country with a free press. When the majority of the press is owned by the CIA, the ones that aren't are owned by the pharmaceutical industry, just like our politicians. And for some godforsaken reason, our military spending and and Pentagon budget just keeps going up while conservatives complain about spending. Real funny there how that works. And then defend the military spending for preparedness. So we can go to war with China, I guess. I don't fucking know. So this is where we're at. Of course, this is another one of those things that you won't see a lot of places, but the fucking Trump administration plotting to us. And this is one of those things too, where it's like, why was there something there? I mean, this is, this is, this is personal. I think for people like Pompeo, It's personal. They are above the law. They're above accountability. They act with impunity. That's what they're used to. They're entitled to their freedom. Even if that means suppressing yours, suppressing journalists, assassinating or kidnapping journalists. It's all for the greater good. And I recommend that book, The Devil's Chessboard. Because it gives you a deep understanding of what the deep state actually is. And make no mistake, this is a deep state action here. And I don't blame Trump for this. I mean, Trump's a, Trump's a pussy. We've known that. That's not news. The way that he behaved, the way he backed down to the intelligence community. I mean, that motherfucker could have got my vote in 2020 if he wasn't such a pussy. Like, what do you want me to do? I, it's not my fault he's a pussy. It's just not my fault. I would have much preferred him. Not to be a coward, but that's not what I got. I would also much prefer Joe Biden not to have dementia, but here we are. You know what I mean? My, my wishes and dreams don't really shape reality. But if you're the CIA, your wishes and dreams do shape reality for many people. Oh, so weird. So strange. I mean, I'm surprised that Assange is still alive, but they also tried to assassinate Fidel Castro for like, 40 years and never could pull it off. So maybe they're not as good as they think they are. That's why they stick to harassing third world countries where they can actually get something done. So yeah, that's where we're at. CIA under Trump discussed assassination of Julian Assange. Wow. 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 So there's a lot of news floating around about the infrastructure package. And there are many things in the infrastructure package, the human infrastructure package, not the hard infrastructure package, the human infrastructure that I really think are 
beneficial. Two years community college, universal pre-K, stuff like that I think is is great for the working class. As everyone that listens to this podcast knows, I'm aggressively pro-working class. Uh, I feel like they've been fucked over time and time again, and um, I don't see anything, any Republicans doing anything about it. Uh, Democrats try to, but it's mostly in rhetoric only. But there was something actually in this that I was like, all right, there's some things in here that could be really good. Um, it's a little pricey, but it is what it is. But I also know that in a $2,500 or $2,500 page bill, there's going to be some stupid fucking bullshit in there that everyone's going to hate. And this is one of those things. Now, keep in mind, this is worded. This is from Forbes. The way this is worded in the headline is absolute kind of bullshit because it is a pilot program. But it says the infrastructure package includes vehicle mileage tax program. Now, this is the hard infrastructure. The new $1 trillion infrastructure package will include a vehicle mileage program. Here's what you need to know. The U.S. Senate passed Joe Biden's uh, President Joe Biden's infrastructure bill with bipartisan support from 19 Republicans, yada, yada, yada. Buried in the 2,700-page infrastructure package is a pilot program for a vehicle mileage tax. So keep in mind, it's just a pilot program, but still a fucking terrible idea. Here's how it works and what it can mean for your wallet. What's a vehicle mileage tax? A vehicle mileage tax or... Vehicle mileage traveled fee would charge motorists a fee based on how many miles they drive. Simply put, if you drive a vehicle, you would pay pay money to the government for every mile you drive. The time period can vary, but it's typically a vehicle miles traveled fee is measured in one year period. A vehicle mileage traveled fee can also be used to re- raise revenue for transportation and infrastructure projects. Okay, so let's think about this, right? Did you may think, there's some kind of climate change initiative they would hide this in or nest this in that it could um, it could make sense. Now let's talk about why it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Okay, we have an, a lot of gentrification happening. Okay, so people are getting priced out of cities, so they're having to move outside of the cities, which means they have a longer commute. Okay, this isn't wealthy people in the suburbs. That's not what this is. It's people that are working class, lower class have to drive more oftentimes. Also have shittier cars that require more maintenance. It's a lot of, it's a, it's a really it's really hard to be poor in this country. And now you want to add on a fucking mileage tax. On top of that as a pilot program, even considering that idea is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. You're punishing the working class and below. Okay? People that can't afford Teslas perhaps. And the funny thing is, what really fucking grinds my gears about this is there's not a consideration for the companies that make money on publicly funded roads, highways, infrastructure, shit that we pay for, and Amazon, trucking companies, all these other companies make money on. So they profit from what we build, we pay to build, and they get tax breaks while we get a fucking mileage tax? Really? That's how it's going to go. I drive a shitload of miles. I probably drive more than I should. But goddamn, I'm living my life out here. And my forerunner and most production cars don't cause that much damage to the road. You know what does? 18-wheelers, big trucks, things like that. That's what damage roads. And those are used for commerce. Not commuting, not picking up your kids from school, none of that shit. They're used for commerce. They're used for making money. They're used for fucking business. Those are business people doing business. So why not make those motherfuckers pay for it? You want to, 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 to do something here to help pay for your shit? Then how about charge the people who are making money from the shit that we're paying for? 
that makes sense. A mileage tax? Really? Dude, what the fuck are we talking here? And the other thing was a gas tax. It's like, it's they pretend as if people that drive like gas guzzling cars are like Joe Rogan because he has like a Porsche and this other car, this other like, these, like people that have like, like old classics that get eight miles to the gallon. That's not the type of people that, that, that drive cars that are gas guzzlers that drive 1991 Chevy pickups. What the, the, the level of disconnect from reality that politicians exist in is so absurd to me. Absolutely insane. Now, you may hate people like this, but somebody who's actually connected with reality is Cori Bush, who's been homeless. You may hate her politics, but you can say she, she's not disconnected from reality, the reality of many people, more people than, than it should be in this country. And within this outrageous spending situation that they want to get into here, you want to add in a pilot program for a mileage tax for regular people. Regular people. Insane. I wonder how this would affect Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, you know, those people that are raking in the big bucks. Thousands of dollars a year. <laughs> Come on, guy. Like, like, this is one of those things. I, like, I wish I could just pick through this 2,700-page document with a fine-tooth comb and, like, pick out all the shit that I hate. But you know what's in there? Because it could be simpler. It could be simpler, but they, have a, a, they, they make a simple bill that's clear, and then they lawyer the fuck out of it and make it 2,000 extra pages that's not necessary just so we can't do that, just so it can't be read. There's no actual reason for that. And some of the actual solutions are a gas tax or a mileage tax. And then they have the audacity to say they're not going to tax the middle class and the working class more. Huh. That's horseshit. Let's call it what it is. Wanted to put that out there. I knew there'd be something in here I hate. Again, I'm 1,000% for two years free community college, universal pre-K, child tax credit, all of these things. Those are things that directly impact working class people. That's why I support them. Is it expensive? Yeah, it is. Is it worth it? I believe so. We can make up for that somewhere else. I don't want, but the thing is, I don't think that we need to increase government revenue that much. I really don't. It's like, do what, do, do more with what you have and fucking chill. You know what I mean? But the partisanship between the, in this whole situation means that a lot of this stuff is meaningless anyways. It's a pilot program. It won't take hold by the time that, I mean, we have another year until the House and the Senate flip in what will be an astonishing red wave. It's going to be insane. It'll make me sick, probably, with <laughs> the amount of red that's going to sweep the country in the midterms. I mean, it's going to be insane. So this won't actually take place, but the fact that it was even considered... Come on, guys. I want to say you can do better, but then again, here I am, having lost all faith, all faith, in what is a, a falling dynasty called the United States of America. So it's become clear to all of America that the unvaccinated are really 
the cause of all of our problems. Uh, the financial crisis of 2008, the Bay of Pigs, 9-11, uh, the Vietnam War, and of course, every variant of COVID that exists. It's, it's all a... Um, it's all on the backs of really of the unvaccinated Americans. That, that those are the people that are pushing and continuing and perpetuating this virus. And this is why I, I completely agree um, with this article that MSNBC had the balls to share. Unvaccinated police and nurses getting fired isn't a tragedy. If it's your job to protect the public, being vaccinated against COVID is part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, see, you can, you, you can still get the virus if you have the vaccine and transmit the virus, but to, you got to protect, you got to pr- protect the public with um, the vaccine. Okay. Uh, call me crazy. This is from Hayes Brown, MSNBC opinion columnist. This is, <laughs> these, these sound more like facts to me than opinions. Call me crazy, but I think public servants should first and foremost serve the public. Hmm. Interesting. That's not to say they deserve fewer individual rights than others, but It is to say they should understand the trade-off between those rights and the rights of the public whose interests they were put in place to protect. Um, Yeah, that that sentence makes sense. (laughs) That includes people who are employed by law enforcement, military, and healthcare services, all of whom have, over the last year and a half, been heralded in some circles as vital first responders who have helped society running through the pandemic, but... This is why I have a very little patience with people in these fields who refuse to get COVID-19 vaccinations. The issue for them, unlike for some of those who are still hesitant, isn't lack of access. Neither is it about lack of information. Um, so then what could it be? Maybe it's a lack of desire to get the fucking vaccine. But then again, public, public, uh, public service, right? Public service. It would be funny if this guy... This Hayes Brown cat, um, which, by the way, if you know who this person is, tag him in this Instagram video uh, just so you can see how much I appreciate his takes on this. It'd be nice if he held politicians to the same account, right? Especially Democratic politicians like, I don't know, Joe Biden, uh, Hillary Clinton, um, Barack Obama, maybe for the drone wars. Like the public servants, right? They're public servants. But the legislation that they pass has nothing to do with what the public wants uh, or believes. It has to do with what their cronies and the, and the people that are pulling their strings uh, tell them to do. Uh, but they're public servants. So as long as they're vaccinated, it's fine. As long as they're vaccinated, it's fine. You can bomb civilians. That's fine. No big deal. Let's talk about these. Let's, let's, let's punish the working class people who don't want to get the vaccine. That's, that's the real problem. That's the real problem. Instead, they've had early access to the vaccines, ample opportunity to educate, to be educated about their safety, and more than enough time to figure out uh, what is in their community's best interest that they that they be vaccinated. Which is why recent reports of police officers and healthcare staffers losing their jobs because they choose to remain unvaccinated sounds entirely appropriate to me. Well, Hayes Brown, are you a fucking healthcare professional? Are you a fucking healthcare professional? Answer. I wish you were here right now, Hayes. Are you? A healthcare professional. I'm assuming no, because you're an opinion columnist at the fucking MSNBC, right? So what the fuck do you know about how people are making their decisions about whether or not to get the vaccine when they're healthcare professionals? Maybe, 
They have reasons. Maybe they work in healthcare and were exposed to COVID for the last two fucking years and have gotten it and have better immunity than you, you Pfizer-guzzling fuckstick. Are you serious right now? This is so insane. We don't have an immunity requirement. We have a vaccine requirement that is different. Get COVID, get better immunity and better immunity to variants of COVID. If you're in healthcare, you probably got COVID. Many people did. And they have better immunity than you, Hayes Brown. So how about you let them make their own decision for what is best for them as healthcare professionals, not healthcare opinion columnists. Hayes, let's continue. It's important to maintain perspective. <laughs> Is it? It's important to man- this motherfucker. The, he did. He typed the words. This motherfucker <laughs> typed the words. It's important to maintain perspective. Colon. The number of people who have actually been penalized by vaccination mandates is exceedingly small. Massachusetts is seventy thousand people. By the way, seventy thousand people in New York. It's relatively small. Uh, well, by that, but by that same logic, the number of people who died in 9-11 is relatively small. It was only 3,000 and something, right? Relatively small, not a big deal. Anyways, let's keep going. Massachusetts is reti- requiring all of its executive department employees to get their COVID shots before October 17th. The state police union has been trying to get around this requirement, giving, uh, given that up to a fifth of its 1,800 members are unvaccinated per the union's attorney. After the judge denied the union's request to put the governor's order on hold, the president of the union put out a statement claiming that dozens of troopers have already submitted their resignation paperwork, some of whom plan to return to other departments, offering reasonable alternatives such as wearing masks and regular testing. And here's the thing. If you're unvaccinated, you get offered a, a, a testing requirement. But if you're vaccinated and you can still carry and, and transmit the virus, you don't have to be tested. So if you're testing unvaccinated people, you need to also be texting, testing vaccinated people who can also carry and transmit the virus among the vaccinated. Jesus Christ. Like this is the this makes no, no fucking sense. There are two things wrong with this. Yada yada yada. He just goes on to just more bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But the fact that the headline, MSNBC is cool with putting up a headline that says unvaccinated police and nurses getting fired isn't a tragedy, is just it's just on brand. It's just on brand. And what else? I mean, this is how people think. This is how people think. And I also think it's silly if somebody thinks there's a microchip in the, in the fucking vaccine or if you take the vaccine, your fucking dick's going to fly off. I, people, are, people think crazy shit. But maybe they don't put that on, you know, one of the major news outlets that also gets, you know, less... <laughs> less viewers than uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, which is comical, but <laughs> it's, I've never seen like, I was, I got into an argument in on Instagram before it went down um, on this post from this, this uh, page called that's not right. Politics It was like a leftist politics page. And they had a post that I liked. So I like, oh, I'll follow these guys and see what's up because I follow people from all across the political spectrum. And, it was one of the posts that kind of echoed this type of mentality of like, fuck the people who don't get vaccinated, who are healthcare workers who were just a few months ago, you were hanging out your window, banging pots and pans for them or some shit. Right. Which my dogs hated, by the way. Um, 
really weren't fa- were fans of that situation. Must not like nurses. But you treated these people like heroes, and they were doing everything for you and us as a society. And now they get shunned um, because they choose not to get vaccinated. And I would wonder what the percentage of the people who choose to leave because or get fired. And they also don't get unemployment benefits, by the way. So if you get fired for not getting the vaccine, you also don't have, have access to unemployment. Which is just cruel. And I've never seen, like, these people on the le- that pretend to be on the left, right? They're like socially blue-haired fucktards on the left. And this pisses me off, right? I'm harder on these people. I had criticized for like coming down on, on Christians too much. I'm like, no, no, no. The people that despise me that, that I despise the most are on the left, right? They've co-opted the left. And now they give people like Charlie Kirk the ability to say the radical left, this and that, whatever, right? Because you're fucking morons. And there's people who are all like under 25, think they have the whole fucking world figured out and need to get punched in the fucking throat by life. That's what needs to happen. But they won't. Because we have a coddled nation. So anyways, there was a post that echoed some of the sentiment. And I was like, the people that claim to be on the left cheering on the punishment of the working class is the most 2021 thing I've ever seen. That was my that was my statement. Now people get upset about that and came in and came at me. And nobody wanted to debate me, by the way. It just That's how it went. Um, <laughs> funny how that works, right? It's like, yeah, well, then put your money where your mouth is and let's have a conversation about it that's public. Uh, but no, they want to hide behind the keyboard and fake profiles, which most of the people that were commenting were fake profiles. Really funny. How, I didn't realize how pervasive that was. But yeah, it's, it's insane. So we have the situation where people that purport to be on the left are, are just rooting for the punishment of working class people. That is not a leftist value. I don't know, and they're attacking people like Jimmy Dore and and Russell Brand for being like right-wing extremists, right? It's like, what the fuck? It's the craziest shit. It's so weird. And this is the narrative that they're trying to get to stick. And the thing is, it's sticking. It's sticking. Like, this blue and on thing is so fucking pervasive. And the thing is, like, QAnon, right? And you get this QAnon, blue and on thing. QAnon was annoying and silly, but also entertaining in the same way that Alex Jones is entertaining, right? Like there was definitely some truth hidden in there. It was probably a CIA psyop. This is probably a CIA psyop, right? Because if you can ostracize a small portion of the of of the country, that gives the CIA legitimacy. It gives them something to do. It gives them something to rail against. It's the new war on terror that is domestic, right? Which is just as big of a lie as the war on terror that was foreign. So this is all misinformation, disinformation, manipulation, lies. All of it. The more I see, the more I think that this is all this is all intelligence agencies pulling strings. And you got a bunch of useful idiots on the left and the right falling into it. Right? They're playing both sides here, y'all. Okay? The January 6th rioters, people like Hayes Brown. They're all getting worked. They're getting played. And much of America is getting played too. And who wins? Who wins? People that already have power. People that already have money. People that already have leverage. People that already have influence. Who loses? Fucking everybody else. That's who loses. Yeah, the more I see this, I mean, this is, maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't a psyop from the beginning, but it got co-opted as one real quick because none of this shit makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. So we have this. 
This is the this is the this is the mainstream narrative. This is the neoliberal narrative. And we've got people that pretend to be on the left that are like Maoists or something, who are rooting this on. And then the fall the small subset that remains of the crumbling left, which I consider myself part of, gets attacked for thinking that, I don't know, maybe working class people should be able to have a job. That'd be great. That'd be nice, right? Maybe working class people should be able to have a job. Maybe nurses are important. Maybe a nurse is a great career for someone who maybe didn't come from much and needs some stability to raise a family and make some money for themselves. And maybe those people deserve to have jobs. And maybe they deserve to make their own fucking decisions about what they put in their body. Is that a radical thought? I guess so. I guess I'm a right-wing extremist. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Weird. Well, with all that being said, I'm a little rusty today. I am a little rusty today. But we're getting it back, baby. We're getting it back. We're getting married in two weeks. And we're getting it back. But right now, Time for me to give you something to think about. Two things I wanted to bring up here. Two things I wanted to bring up. Balance and caring. I was listening to someone, I don't know who it was. Somebody was fired up about something and it was like, it was obnoxious. I don't even know if I disagreed with them. It was just the level of vitriol and and, and anger and, and consumption of oneself that was portrayed in the way that this person was articulating their beliefs. It was so, it it consumed them so much. And I can't say it's always a bad thing, but oftentimes it's a bad thing. It consumed them so much that they weren't able to detach their identity from their beliefs. And then it's a hard, tricky, that's that's a hard line to walk down, right? Like which, where do I stop and my beliefs begin? Because beliefs can change. Very often, things you can be very convicted about and very, very uh, steadfast in your beliefs about, those can change as you change and grow and, and, and evolve as a human being and, and you let things go and you adapt new things and maybe you were a Christian and now you're a, a Buddhist or maybe you were a Buddhist and now you're a Christian or maybe you're a Democrat and now you're a Republican. Who fucking knows, right? All kinds of crazy shit can happen. But I think one thing that happens too much now is that people feel shamed into caring more than they should about things they can't change that actually don't impact their lives, right? Every uh, every political campaign is now nationalized, even though it has zero national implications. It's like, well, this person supported Trump, so now they are disqualified from the conversation, from being a part of this, this student council, 
<laughs> it's like every fucking every every campaign that's been run since 2016 is about Trump from student body president of a junior high to, you know, the 2020 election for the president. Um, and I think that we get conned into caring too much about things that don't fucking matter to us. And when I was out in the woods this last month, after reflecting on that person that freaked out and was losing their goddamn mind, I was like, you know, one thing I'm really grateful for about myself is that I care, but I also have the capacity to not give a fuck. And I can flip that switch oftentimes when it's necessary. And I think, as I, as, I, as I pontificate about it now, I think that is a, an attribute to the, uh, the meditation I used to do and the journaling, the mindfulness practices I used to have in my life way more often than I do now. But I think that there's a point where we have to pull the plug on our caring. We have to say, hey, you know what? Fuck it. And I think that that can be problematic. I think we got conned into doing that when it came to the war in the Middle East for 20 years. Way too early. We probably shouldn't have done it there, but we did as a culture. But individually, there's a place, and that line's different for everybody, Right? I would say I would say I may go further into into caring than what would be helpful for somebody who doesn't talk into a microphone for a couple hours a, a week, right? But everybody's got to be able to pull the ripcord and say this actually doesn't fucking help me. It doesn't help me to care. It doesn't help me to create my identity out of the fucking chaos that is happening around me every day. Don't bring that shit into your real life. Don't create your identity out of what somebody else told you you should do, feel, be, or care about. That is the end stage of gaslighting, narcissism, toxicity in relationships. It's hard to come back from that. Because when the world hits you in the face and you realize that that's not you and that you were conned into believing or caring about something that wasn't going to impact your life in a positive way ever, that had a 0% chance, of being what you wanted it to be, you now have to fill that void with something. And that is a real motherfucker. I could be full of shit, but it's something to think about. As I just said, guys, Getting married in a couple weeks, which is weird. It's weird to say that now. Heading down to Texas. Gonna do my best to do a show down there. Also, 
We'll be doing some of the first interviews for the Thought Criminals podcast, which I'm very excited about. Very excited about. I love you guys. Thanks for being patient with me over September. I know I'll, I'll knock this rust off and get back to my get back to 100% soon. But until then, keep your head on straight. Join the Patreon. Love you. Bye-bye.